Hey everybody, this is Martin and you're listening to Healing Together, a podcast that connects you to me and some of my amazing friends, where we hope that our stories will bring you comfort, inspiration and healing. I want to give you a behind the scenes view of people's lives, both the ordinary and extraordinary. And I think that you will realize that most often moving through struggle relies on finding a way to shine a light on some of the darkest corners of your heart. And through this, we can build strength and therefore remain open, kind and grateful. Hey everyone, welcome to episode five of Healing Together. Thank you all so much for your comments on episode four. I'll be doing a solo episode for episode six and I'll cover some of the responses to the podcast so far in that particular episode. Um, But I just wanted to say um, a big thank you for all the support and uh, an ongoing feedback and comments. I really appreciate it as always. And so for today's episode, we have a lovely guest, somebody else for you to be inspired by. And her name is Phil. And Phil is a 40-something-year-old wife and mum to a gorgeous seven-year-old girl. She is head of HR for a company based locally uh, near to, to me and Shap. And she is a loving friend. And I've invited Phil on the podcast today because I think that you will all be very inspired by her journey to, well, to come to therapy, which she did with me. Uh, she's now uh, managing all of that on her own Just and, about. Uh, with her family and uh, probably doing a great job, I'm sure. Um, and uh, I thought that it would be particularly helpful for people to hear about Phil's journey, which includes battles with food, self-worth and being able to balance the various demands of uh, family life as a, as a mom and, and, and a wife, a friend, daughter, sister um, and uh, working in quite a, a high pressure job and um, kind of trying to do it all and what that can look like and, and what problems um, and, and some of the highs that, that come with all of that. And uh, so I really appreciate you being here today, Phil. And uh, how are you doing? I'm okay. Thank you for having me. I was touched by the invite. Oh, well, it's, um, you know, as I said in the very first episode, it's about sharing what goes on behind some of the lives of uh, of those that we might pass on the street and think, oh, you know, there's, that's just another person. And uh, often there is something extraordinary going on behind everybody's lives. And um, I definitely feel that you are extraordinary. Oh, bless so, you. Thank um, you. I wanted to share that with uh, more people. <laughs> you so made delighted. me sound great, by the way, at the beginning oh, there. Well, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's just the truth. <laughs> oh, bless you. <laughs> um, so in terms of what we will cover in the podcast today... I thought we would break it into three uh, kind of rough sections that will flow into each other, I'm sure. And uh, I'll hand over to you in a moment to talk about what brought you to the point that we met and, and what things were going on for you in your life. Yeah. And then we'll spend a bit of time talking about the journey that you had with me in your in your sessions and some of the other things that, that uh, we've 
got to know each other through yeah. um, and then moving on towards the end to to talk about what life looks like for you now and and in the future so does that sound that okay? sounds great should I give a swear warning now given that um, the f word is one of my favorite words <laughs> it's one of the most therapeutic <laughs> words I think that we have scientifically the, proven surely there's got to be some study <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that will yes. be done at some point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the things that I always uh, remember about your sessions was um, you saying to me about the um, the apparent ease with which I could articulate some things yes. and how I could turn a whole kind of 10-15 minute dialogue into something quite succinct yes. and I think often it involved the, the word fuck <laughs> yeah another reason why I like you as my therapist <laughs> it's all real and emotive <laughs> Okay, so before we get going, just to help both of us and actually all of the listeners get into a really nice and centred space to be able to get the most out of this podcast, um, let's start with just a few breaths to help us arrive and uh, bring us online in every way. So I thought we would work with the three, four, five breath today. As usual, most breath work that's effective is simple and this is uh, no exception. And so we will be taking a breath in for a count of three. We'll hold at the top for a count of four and then exhale in a nice sigh out for a count of five. Slight pause and then we'll do it a couple more times. Does that sound okay? Perfect. Lovely. Okay, so... Those who are joining us, if you're driving or operating any machinery, please don't do this. Your attention's needed for that, but you can join us in, uh, in this in any other circumstances. So if you are sat up or lying down, you may benefit more. But if you're walking along, um, then I'm sure you'll benefit just as much. So let's take a breath in and out to prepare. And we're inhaling for three, two, one. Holding for four, three, two, one. And let it out for five, four, three, two, one. Slight pause at the bottom. And then inhaling again for three, two, one. Holding for four, three, two, one. Exhaling five, four, three, two, one. One slight pause and inhaling for three, holding for four, and exhaling five, two, one. Okay, and coming back to a natural breath in and out. <sighs> Feel better now. Oh, it's so simple. Well, we are quite simple, really, for all of our complexities. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and so, without further ado, I'll pass over to you now, Phil, to share with the listeners what it was that brought you to my lovely room upstairs <laughs> where we got to meet each other. Tell us your story. Um, well, hello, everyone. I'm actually feeling a little bit nervous because, as I said to Martin just before we went on air, it's this thing about, you know, I'm happy to share my story. Um, but the fact that it'll be out there and that people can judge is a kind of a bit weird thing that I'll have to just try not to, to think about. So um, 
so I think that my journey to you or to therapy, because you were the first person that I'd ever had, or I had a very small dabbling with therapy, but I think from a proper therapy perspective, you were the first person that I really had mm -hmm. um, proper work, work with. And I think it was a long time coming for me. I feel like, I mean, it's revolutionary once you go through it. I really do feel like that. But um, and I sort of think, why the fuck didn't I do it before? But but the, what what kind of brought me here was I think so in um, December the twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, one of my oldest friends um, got diagnosed with um, incurable cancer, mm -hmm. and I have known her since I was eleven. And there's a group of us, there's six of us that have known each other since we were 11 and we would consider ourselves to still be, you know, the best of friends now. And, you know, um, there are some things in life that really just, they're a turning point. You don't always know that they are at that time. Yeah. Um, and obviously the initial reaction was one of shock and upset and emotion, um, you know, that you know we, it's funny because she is the best of us we talk about her and her name's Nikki and in our friendship group she is she's the best of us you know she's the kindest she's funny mm. she's gorgeous she's you know she's had a, a very successful life um and she's the type of person that you only want good things for yeah. and you know to get a diagnosis like that at 40 she would have been 42 or 43 at the time um it was just really shocking for me personally, but also for our friendship group, you know, and our friendship group has, has gone through a bit of a journey as well. And that it came at a time where um, I've, I've struggled with anxiety and depression all my life, really. I was first diagnosed properly with anxiety and depression when I was about 26, maybe 27, something like that. Um, and But I have had it all my life. I, you know, now I know the condition. I recognise that I had it in my teens and, you know, and kind of early 20s. And I used to think of it as something that you could cure, you know, that you would get that done. I would no longer suffer from it, you know. And actually what I know now, sat here as a 44-year-old, is that I will always have it to a certain degree. But that it um, it gives me it gives me a unique perspective and it gives me some um, things that I... I don't know what the word is really, but gives me um, some unique skills or a unique position to be able to connect with people. Um, and I find that valuable in my work, but also just as a human, as a human being. Mm. Um, anyway, so I've always suffered, I've always suffered a bit and we'd had um, a very traumatic time trying to have my gorgeous, my gorgeous girl, Eva, mm. um, which we may well touch on a bit later on, but we kind of it, it then you go through this thing where you are pregnant and you have a baby and it's you know they're amazing they're this, this amazing <clears> thing um but you're bloody knackered i mean you are absolutely knackered beyond belief and you realize that all parents are making it up as they go along nobody has any idea what they're doing that must be such a relief <laughs> for people to hear <laughs> well i promise you i've never met a parent yet that's like what the fuck you know, <laughs> wasn't expecting that kind of thing how hard <laughs> is it yeah <laughs> and just and, and knackering and i guess i'm sort of saying this because it's all part of my journey to you if you like yeah. you know that um, I also changed jobs. I was very unhappy in my job after I went back after maternity leave. Um, and I changed jobs um, 
to where I am now, which is the Outward Bound Trust, which is a wonderful charity. If anybody you know wants to find out about what it does for young people, then just Google it. Um, um, and anyway, I was kind of happier in my in my in my work life. I had a bit more balance with either going to school and and stuff like that. And so, and then this kind of thing happened with Nikki, and I. I didn't actually know what to do. You know, there's this moment where these things happen and you you just you don't you don't know what to do because you've never been in this position before. You don't really know what or how to feel about these things. You well I, but I think it is quite a human a human emotion, but I went to write what can we do? You know, okay, what what can we do to fix it, mm -hmm. to help to you know to be there to be part of it to help her on her journey you know um through this kind of illness um but i didn't i didn't know what to do with everything that i was feeling in addition it really caused me to spiral with my eating i've always had a problem with eating um food has very much been a crutch in my life and, and martin knows because we've talked about it that it comes from a quite a lot of things in my childhood mm. Um, and often to do with link with self-worth. Um, but anyway, it sort of triggered this thing within me that I felt like there's this mix between, oh, my God, I'm going to lose somebody close to me. Mm -hmm. And I had this moment where I was like, I have been depressed for two decades. <laughs> and actually, I need to do something about it because life is too short. You know, and it sounds really dramatic to say I've been depressed for two decades. That is a journey where some days I've had great, you know, I've had brilliant experiences in my life, but that there's always been this thing in the background. And then there have been some really shitty, crappy, fucking horrible days where you just think, what the hell am I doing here? You know, um, and I realised losing Nikki or the process of, of having to lose Nikki, she hasn't gone yet. <laughs> um, she is still with us. Mm. Um, was kind of like, you know, I really need to do something about this. And taking the pills, which I had been doing for a decade. For depression. For depression and anxiety, mm -hmm. so take citalopram, is not working. It's not working. It's not fixing. It may be helping. Mm -hmm. It may be supporting, but it is not fixing it. And actually, I felt like I owed it to Nikki to live my life well. There's this mm -hmm. moment where you think when you lose the people you love, or you think, you know, that you're going to lose them, that you think, hell, you know, actually growing older is a privilege, you know, that's yeah. denied to many. People would say that. Mm -hmm. And I've never felt it more profoundly than having to go through this kind of process. Yeah. And so I started by reading. So I love to read. I'm actually dyslexic, but weirdly, I like to read or I listen to podcasts. Martin mm -hmm. and I share our love of podcasts various <laughs> podcasts um and now so, look at us and, uh, i know <laughs> and now i'm on my very own our very own one wow <laughs> um and I, so i started listening to dr chastity um which obviously don't google his podcast because you should be listening to this one but uh. but he you know uh, i started by listening to a few of them and i got a couple of his books and then i started like reading some articles and just just about how to um Firstly, I was looking at how to eat for depression and anxiety. And then I was thinking about, you know, how to make your life happy or how to how to um, be content or how to, 
you know, how to solve your problems in three easy steps kind of yes. thing, you know. Yeah. And so I, I read huge amounts of stuff. And what I was finding is I was getting really frustrated with myself because I didn't know how, like, I knew what I was supposed to be doing, but I just didn't actually know how to do it. It was like there was something inside of me that I couldn't, I just couldn't take the action that it was advising or I thought when I read it I thought oh yeah I understand that that makes sense but I couldn't translate it into action into actually you know with any consistency yeah because I think I remember you saying you know I get started and it's all guns blazing and yeah. this is going to save me and then it kind of it or you yeah. runs out of steam and yeah. you kind of end up feeling worse worse exactly after trying that's exactly right and the self talk that goes <clears throat> with that spiral of look how fucking stupid you must be mm. you know it's supposed to be easy look they've written a book about it you just follow the book you know and easy i easy as one yeah, two three <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know and and that led to a kind of further spiral and as you said you just end up feeling worse and at the same time, I was really conscious about health because obviously um, I now had a daughter and um, being healthy and living for a long time is important to me because I want to be there for yeah, her. Yeah. And here was Nikki who wasn't going to have that privilege of living a long time. And I, I wanted to, I understood that really I needed to do something for my health with around movement, mindfulness, food, that you know that, that I needed to somehow get control, I guess, or get some control around those areas. And um, exercise has always been like a, you know, kind of like oh really oh just like a chore, like a complete chore. Mm -hmm. And I know I should be doing it, and I know all the benefits, and I know I'm supposed to find something that I enjoy. You know, the trick is find something you enjoy, etc. You'll feel fantastic when you've done it. Well, yeah, but then, like, you know, after after a day or two, you're like, do I have to do it again? <laughs> you know, the kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Why didn't it work? <laughs> yeah, come on, why aren't I'll I give it, size I'll give eight? it another go. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, anyway, so, um, so I've been looking for some different exercise things. There is a point to this story, by the way, guys, but I was looking for some different things to do, and I saw Aerial Yoga on Insta. Uh-huh. And it was Martin's aerial yoga class. And it said something like, are you wanting to try something different? And there was this amazing picture. I don't know whether any of you have seen or um, uh, uh, Google aerial yoga and you can see some of the brilliant things that mm -hmm. you can do. But I was like, oh, my God, that looks like that looks like fun. And you were offering a trial thing. Uh, yes. Yeah. A kind of introductory thing. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And as I was driving to to it, I thought, oh, my goodness, I cannot remember the last time that I did something for me. I really remember that quite clearly, thinking, God, there's no Eva. I'd arranged for Eva. Eva, Eva was with Sam, my lovely husband. Um, and I was like, really genuinely, I could not think. I was like, when was, when was the last time I did something for me, kind of thing? And I couldn't think. I thought, well, this is just bloody ridiculous. Anyway, so came came to the class, and one of the first things you do is you get into you can't see my arm actions, but you get into this little cocoon, right, of the of the hammock, and um, you sort of sit in a weird way, cross legged in the hammock. So it's like this little tent yeah, that you're you like sat fully in. Enveloped yes, in the exactly. Yeah. And um, you know, we were doing some deep breathing exercises, and you said something like. 
um, and you, you'll probably be able to tell me now what it was you said, but you said something like, I want you to bring to mind something that's important to you or bring a mantra or if you had to, if you had to bring one thing with you to the session, what is that? Something like Your along those lines. Like, why Thank are you, you here? Yes. Try to come up with a yes. short statement that represents that. And we're going to say that three times to plant a seed in the fertile soil of your mind to bring exactly. about the transformation and healing that you require my god <laughs> he can do it in a, in a script <laughs> also that just that just demonstrates your ability to say something very succinctly when i was going around the houses but anyway the thing that came into my mind was i am important that was my that was the thing absolutely with absolute clarity came into my mind and um it was that again was quite profound because I realized that it was true and I actually do have quite a difficult time we'll probably talk about this later but really believing that you know I suffer with uh low kind of self-confidence and not much belief in really myself and were you know not a lot of worthiness which you referenced at the beginning um, and don't tend to think that I am worth looking after, although that is changing. And I realised it was true, actually. I am important. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we went to the rest of the yoga session and I was like, wow, this is brilliant. Loved it. Really fun. And and I didn't. And although I had this kind of mantra with me and I felt, yeah, it felt great afterwards. Felt really great. Um, and I came home and I said to Dan, um, I said, do you know what? I really think that I need to talk to somebody. Um, and he was like, about what? And I'm like, just about me, just, you know, about all my issues and everything else. And he was like, well, OK, if you if you think that you need to, then you should. And and I might be getting the timeline slightly wrong here. I might have actually had that conversation with Dan before the aerial yoga, because I had this thing where I would joined. I think it was a web thing called Better Health, where I had one session with a therapist, which just really put me off. I was like, no. Or better help that all the other podcasts are promoting at the moment because yeah. they're coming over to the UK. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I went on that and uh, I had one session with a lady and it just really didn't work for me. Let's just leave it at that to say it just didn't work for me. Um, and anyway, I came. I, so I came home and said to Dan, I think I need to talk to somebody. And I, I thought, right, OK, I'm going to Google uh, people in my area. Like, because I... The problem with part of the problem with the better health thing was it was done on the phone and I just don't I don't work as well like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so who should pop up on my little thing in Google but Martin Blacklock? And I was like, <laughs> fuck, I've just been to his aerial thing. That's the guy that that's the guy that does the aerial thing. Um and and that's kind of how that's really how the journey started. So obviously I contacted you and we had our first session and immediately um I thought, first I thought, you know what you're doing. And secondly, I thought, yeah, he's my kind of person. You you know, there has to be, I'm sure you know this, there has to be, um, it just has to work for both people, doesn't it? it mm. There's a moment at which, well, maybe it doesn't have to work for you as the therapist, I'm not quite sure, but mm. there is a moment in which, you know, you have to think, if I'm going to share my darkest fears with this person, mm-hmm. um, you know, Am I going to feel judged or demeaned or condescended or, you know, 
those things and I never ever felt like that immediately I thought firstly this is a safe space and secondly you know I I can I can trust this person with my darkest fears as such yeah and that 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 is everything really I mean all of the other stuff that we do and it's interesting that we touched upon that at the beginning (coughs) about we're quite simple for all Mm. of our complexities Mm. I often say in that initial session with clients that, you know, we've talked for, you know, 50 minutes an hour in the session up at this point when I usually say this. And we've gone through all kinds of complexities of the process of the person centered approach and, and some of the other um, uh, models that I work within. Mm. And we've talked about all of the detail of your life and, I, and to offer a reassurance, I'll say, but actually as humans, we are quite simple in mm. that we just want somebody to listen to us and genuinely care about what we've got to say and feel safe yeah. with them yeah. to feel important. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's why so much of the work that I do in order to be uh, healthy and, and hopefully fulfilling mm. support for people mm. is on being genuine yeah. on, and you know, we, we talked about that in the podcast with Amram and the yeah. importance of doing that because I think we have a sixth, seventh, eighth sense. I'm not sure what it is for genuineness. We all feel that on some level. Yeah. And I'm interested to, to know at, at this point where we kind of start to explore our relationship together, mm. how much of the trust do you think that you had and and having me was built prior to you coming to that session because of the aerial yoga that we did so I I definitely think there was there was yeah I think some of it came beforehand or in that kind of session Mm -hmm. so for those of you who have never done yoga or aerial yoga I always used to think it was a bit hippie hippie yeah, well, I'm you sure know, it can and, be. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like <laughs> that, that's that sounds ever so judgmental. I just, I, you know, I just wasn't quite sure about it, if I'm honest. Um, but um, I think in that session, firstly, if you're being held by the hammock and somebody is saying to you, "Tip upside down," and you know, "Don't touch the floor," "Take your hands off the floor," "Take your hands off the floor," <laughs> um, and you're thinking, "Fuck." <laughs> I'm um, going to yeah, die. Yeah, yeah. They're telling me it's fine. <laughs> exactly. And Martin's like, okay, it's fine. I promise you. Trust me. Take your hands off the floor. And you take your hands off the floor and you're like, fuck, yes, yes, I'm doing it. Um, and sorry if that was a bit shrieky, but I, I you know. Oh, I, it's, that, it's nothing compared to what it's like in the session. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> uh, um, I, yes, yeah, so I, I think that there is an element of trust that's built in that without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I hadn't exercised for God knows how long, you know. And and there's this guy that's telling me to tip upside down and take my hands off the floor, and that the hammock will hold me, you know. Um, so I think some of that most definitely, you know, it, it sort of contributed to. As soon as I saw your name on the list, I was like, oh yes, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm going to to get in contact with Martin. Um, but also. You know, you, you, I had experienced you and I felt you were very genuine in that session, you know, and there are people that you meet who you feel like are your people, you know, they're like your people. I can't explain that, but I think everybody will know what I mean when I say that. And I kind of just felt that instinctively, um, that there are people that you meet in your life who, you know, 
are good souls and, mm-hmm. and trustworthy. Um, and so I do think that some of it was built. It'd be interesting if, if I hadn't have attended that session, you know, whether or not I would have found my way to you anyway is, yes. you know, you don't yeah. know. But I think some of that kind of trust was there already. Um, and it also felt serendipitous and I'd had this profound moment with you in a way where I'd had this thing where I was like, I am important. And I felt that a way of demonstrating to myself that I was important was to take some time to explore the things that I found difficult and why I found difficult, why I found it difficult. Um, yeah. So in answer, the simple answer to your question is yes, I do think some of that trust was built before, mm-hmm. but I, um, yeah yeah thank you um and it is it's a it's a really important part of that initial relationship building Mm. with a client to to you know to get that trust and Mm. you know i um i I sometimes think that clients might not think i really mean it to the extent that i say and with the amount of enthusiasm that i do that you're amazing for just bringing yourself here Mm. because to at one of the lowest points in your life which it usually is to then offer up your vulnerability to another person that you don't know. There's got to be some kind of inner strength that gets you there. And mm. I see my job very much in is, is bringing out that which is already in you. I see it and I believe it. And my job is to see that as, <clears throat> as much as anybody, more than anybody mm. in those moments where you struggle to. Because when you tune into that, it can create all kinds of amazing possibilities for you, but it's, it's got to be tuned into. And so I think asking somebody to fall out of a hammock forwards <laughs> while being held by it, of course, and saying, you're going to be okay on the other side of this. What's on the other side of the fears mm. that you mm. hold about who you are, what you can do, etc., is something that's not in your sight at the moment, which is that you'll feel fucking amazing yeah. when you give yourself the chance. But I'm asking you to do that yeah. when you don't know me, whether that's in a hammock, whether that's on the mat, whether that's you know out on a walk, whether it's in the, you know, on the on the yeah. chairs in in the yeah. room upstairs yeah. in here yeah. even, you know. And I do believe in that goodness within everybody, yeah. and when people are struggling to see that in themselves it's such a privilege to be able to offer that to somebody when they've taken such a big leap at the hardest time in their life Mm. to to find Mm. it. But I think we become so desperate to find it at that point that actually my job's quite easy because if I believe in it genuinely, you're much more likely to see it in yourself. I I can totally see that. I mean, I think that um, it's, I was, I was really ready. Mm -hmm. You know, there are times where you're just like, I'm ready for this. Um, but I think that, um, but it is scary, you know, it's scary. It's intimidating. You're not quite sure what to expect. I mean, I was 44 and I, I'd never been to counselling, so I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect, mm-hmm. you know. And I didn't, there are, there, are, there are a handful of people in your life who you always tell the truth to or you share, you know, you share the the dark places with mm-hmm. maybe not even a handful of people you know and actually yeah you, you sort of walk into the room and you're like right well this is it but I also had this sort of weird thing where I felt like um 
firstly, I've just remembered the other thing you said to me in aerial yoga was you just went, just say fuck it and let go. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, he's totally my kind of person. <laughs> anyway, so just a slight digression there. But I think that you sort of have this thing where you sit down and you're sort of like, right, okay, you know, what, what, what's, what are they going to ask me? What, what am I going to need to share? But I felt your questions were always very natural and I never have a problem talking. Um, I, and, but you had this ability, you talked about listening there and I think you had this ability where, cause I can talk around the point and I find it quite difficult to boil it down to really succinct mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. words. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you always demonstrated that you listened. Uh-huh. You had listened yeah, and were able to interpret. To yes, me. exactly. We were mm-hmm. able to interpret. And I never for a moment felt like like that you weren't genuinely listening or weren't genuinely approaching my situation as unique, although I'm sure that it's not, you know. Um, but you were very individualistic, always and always have been. Mm-hmm. You still are, by the way. I shouldn't say you were. You know ah. what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, thank you for that because that's absolutely what I hope to communicate, mm. and it's all part of creating that sense of safety. Yeah. And I'm really interested in the way that you described what you get from that friendship group. Yeah. And I think what maybe you got to see in that aerial yoga session and what you then got to see in your sessions with me and Mm. increasingly now in your life Mm. is the version of you that they see Mm. and can you can be that person with those people and this is all about how we help each other I hope that people who are listening to the podcast can see themselves in your story and in the words that we're saying because when we stop seeing ourselves when we stop valuing who we really are and we get to be in the company of other people, whatever form that might take, we get reminded of that goodness inside. And and I know very much that you in that friendship group mm. and you with your with your daughter, mm. with you know, with Eva, you get to be that person who yes. you want, want to, be, to be, who you like to be. And I was always very keen to keep reminding you that you are important mm. and those people without a shadow of a doubt mm. showed you that show you mm. that you are important mm. and I'm I'm wondering now this is just something that's come to me mm. if what happened with Nikki when she was diagnosed that that group was going to be changed dramatically mm. it was actually a threat to your sense yeah. of self yes so it's really interesting that concept that so firstly I find it quite interesting that I don't find it comfortable you telling me I'm amazing you know mm-hmm. it's st- I still struggle with some of that mm-hmm. like actually you know it so just because I finished my therapy with Martin it, it doesn't mean that I am now sort of cured fixed fixed even though that's what yeah, you were yeah. trying to do yeah. for a while so my instinct then when you were listening and you being very complimentary about how people might see me I you know I sort of was fighting the feeling that it wasn't true um mm-hmm. and um, Fight, fighting feelings yeah exactly you yeah. fight it and you you know anyway um but in answer to your question about that kind of how it happened within our friendship group and and i think so death 
is so i mean it's so profound isn't it it's so it's com- firstly it's complete you know mm-hmm. there is no there is nothing after that well mm-hmm. depending on your beliefs mm-hmm. there is nothing after that or nothing in this world after yeah. that and the friendship group that we've got six of us we have been through i don't think there are many people who are still friends with with people 30 years later I think there there will be a lot of long long friendships and relationships and things like that. But we we have been through you know the girls' holidays together, holding each other's hair back when we're vomiting. <laughs> you know which boy did we fancy? You know how, we've been through parents divorcing and you know um, going off to uni and then all the stuff that comes afterwards with first jobs, first houses, first marriages, first deaths. You know all of these things. Parents dying. But as a friendship group, we have been through. The whole sort of myriad of emotions and um, experiences, you know, traveling, all of that kind of thing. We've been on more holidays than I can mention. And when I think about Nikki, I just think I have so many memories of Nikki. Um, And I, I find it very difficult to think about the fact that the five of us who are remain will continue with those memories and she won't be there. It's really odd to think about that. But anyway, I've digressed from the, the question, but... Yeah, I think there was a threat to to the to the group or to the way in which I felt where my place was in the group. Yes. Um, you know, because I think in relationships we all feel that we have a place, you know. And you can get a bit labelled sometimes with, you know, the sensible one or the ditzy one or whatever, but or the one that swears a lot, you know. <laughs> um but there is a fundamental shift that happens when you lose somebody from a very solid group like that. Or when you contemplate the prospect of exactly. losing yeah, somebody. That's right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When you realise that, you know, the foundations of our relationships, these girls have always been there. I mean, since we were 11. In fact, two of them since we were five. But, you know, wow. since since we were 11, they have been there. And um, one of them won't be there in the future. Mm. I mean... We're all going to die someday. We don't know. But knowing that actually Nikki will be leaving us sooner rather than later and certainly sooner than she should be yeah. um, is really difficult. Head fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And clearly, you know, very emotive mm. for you mm. um, to the point that it it made you. Yeah. I must tell her, I mean, I'm going to send her the podcast, but I also must tell her, I don't think I've told her that she, she, she knows, obviously they know that I went to therapy and Mm -hmm. everything, um, because I was waxing lyrical about how wonderful it is, but um, I must tell her that she actually was the catalyst. I think she'd be, she'll be really happy to know that, because she, she will, she's, you know, she wants us to be happy. I mean, you want the best things for the people you love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it's um, it's kind of the a perfect example of sh- shining light on dark corners. Mm. Huh? Mm. Um, yes, <clears throat> really interestingly, I don't know if you remember this, but one thing that as you were talking, as you were introducing yourself, mm. I, I noticed how pivotal uh, Nikki and and the friendship group are in your life, but mm. in terms of you wanting to get back to realizing that you were important mm. 
something else that you talked a lot about was was being a mum and this idea yeah. of um, being able to see yourself through Eva, who just thinks you're the most wonderful thing ever. Yeah. Um, and we did the death meditation. We did. And that was another key moment for it you. It really was. Yeah. Would yeah. you mind telling us a no. bit more about this? So I don't know what session. So I, I saw Martin as, as a therapist for about nine months, I think. Mm-hmm. You go into therapy thinking, oh, six weeks, you know, kind of thing. Easy nine as months one, later. Two, three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nine months later, and we sort of have, have reached a conclusion for now with our therapy journey anyway. Um, so... It must have been seven or eight, I guess, sessions in. Yeah, we were established in what we were doing and what the work was going to look like. Yes. Um, and there was something about, I need to now, I've I've read everything, yeah. I've tried everything, yeah. I need something else. It, it's it's that important now. Yes. Um, and it was something about f- facing, uh, you know, the death thing was there. It was and... kind of, it, it was, yeah, I think it was about that clarity trying to get some clarity around this concept of I am important mm-hmm. I, I think yeah it's probably the best way to put it and I'd um this was before aerial yoga was a regular thing but I'd gone to a couple of your normal yoga yes. um sessions and you had you were planning to do one yes a death meditation and for some reason I couldn't go anyway that's right and you told me about it and I was like oh my god can we do that in here yes. and and yeah. so we did and um wow it's um it's very intense to be taken through a kind of journey in your mind of the end you know at the for the end of your life basically it's, it's a really visceral experience is, yeah. i mean i and, talk and about very... your lungs closing down the yeah. heartbeat slowing and then it speeds in that last moment yeah. before you're about to die i mean i realize yeah. this is quite yeah 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 no, full no. on yeah yeah i am um, yes it's so it's very intense and very look i think when we at the end of the day right a lot of what we experience in life doesn't really matter mm-hmm. you know when it really comes i'm going to get emotional don't mean to get emotional but when it really comes down to it there are actually only a few things that are important mm-hmm. in life and what the death meditation did was really I, I knew what those important things were but it kind of enhanced just how important those things are and how unimportant the other shit is, yes. right? The shit where you look in the mirror and you think, oh, I don't really, you know, oh, I, I don't look right. Or, I, or you know, where you think, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to be late for work. And you get yourself in a right tears because you're seven minutes late for work. I mean, like, seriously, it's like, or you get, you know, Eva hasn't got the right, I don't know what it is, but you get yourself worked up about it. And you're like, really? You know, the, the, this kind of adage of don't sweat the small stuff. Um, having said that, there are some small things that really matter, but ultimately what the death cleanse does is really focus your mind about, um, about what's important. There are a few things that I remember, or kind of two or three things that I really remember. So one of them about going through this death cleanse, of course you're crying your eyes out, you know, because it's a really emotional thing. Yeah. It's weird because we were still sat in our chairs like we normally were, you know, but you go in you go into yourself and you kind of have this journey um 
And so there's two things, really. So one, it was about Eva. So I, 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 before we had Eva, I must have had five or six miscarriages. And I say, I can't remember, you know, it's weird, right? Because you think you never forget. Mm-hmm. But actually, I think I was so traumatised by this process that actually I can't remember whether it was five or six times, mm-hmm. which is like a remarkable thing because it was, but anyway, that's a slightly different thing. Um, we, so we went through a huge amount of pain and trauma to have Eva. Yeah. And when I was finally pregnant, my issue was never about getting pregnant. It was always about seeing remaining, um, remaining pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really, before I, before we had Eva, we had given up. I mean, I'm, you, you listen to these stories quite a lot. And I think there is something in this thing where you give up and then suddenly it all happens. And I'd said to Dad, I actually can't go through this again. I cannot go through it. Um, anyway, got pregnant with Eva and I was so poorly. I was in and out of hospital. I was sick every single day, like vomit, like proper mm-hmm. sick every single day. I lost about three stone, which was the only positive side effect of it, <laughs> given my issues with food. <laughs> There's an irony that actually after I had Eva, the day after I got on the scales, and I was the lightest I'd been in about 10 years because oh. I'd lost so much weight because I couldn't keep anything down because I was so poorly. And I thought fuck this being pregnant is awful what the fuck have i done uh-huh. oh my god i'm gonna be like this awful i'm not gonna enjoy being a mother oh my god what have i done you know kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, and obviously she was born and instantly all of my symptoms of sickness and everything else all went away instantly wow. and i remember holding eva and she was bruised and battered because they'd had to pull her out and you know oh, she had this me. massive like bruise on her across her eye I just was looking down at her and I said to her, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm so glad you're here. Oh. You know, I really remember that oh. kind of thing. Um, anyway, going back to the, the death cleansing, you know, we went, Dan and I went through all of that trauma. And so you can't go through that and not understand how precious children are you know, um, and life is really, you know, how precarious it is sometimes. But, mm. you know, she is, she is funny. She's articulate. She's loving. She's a pain in the fucking backside. <laughs> she doesn't sleep, but she looks at you with those big brown eyes and she goes, mummy, I love you. And you're like, oh, I love you too. You know, yeah. in fact, we say love you more in our household, mm-hmm. but you know, you are important to me, mummy. Yeah, exactly. Just a quick break about halfway through the podcast to let you know that I have successfully ended some sessions with clients. They've moved forward, not needing my support any longer. And so there are a few spare hours in my diary each week to take on some new clients up to maybe three I think I could probably manage and these spaces are available for those who would like to engage in talking therapy more traditional sitting face-to-face or online where we use the person-centered approach informed by uh, polyvagal theory and using the idea of trauma to help people move through struggle or even to go from just surviving and existing in life to actually thriving 
and I would welcome any inquiries from anybody wanting to explore working with me in that way. And I also can work with people more through the practice of yoga. In that, we would look at what's going on in your body, in your emotions, maybe looking at how we can challenge some of the thinking that might be holding you back in life. And we can use yoga to help you explore some of these barriers and also develop some new ways that you can be with yourself on all of those levels to perhaps enjoy some of the lightness and self-love that you're hearing Phil talk about so passionately in this episode. So if anybody is interested in exploring working with me on an individual basis, then please contact me on martinblacklock at gmail.com. And I should add, actually, if you would like to work with a partner, then that is also possible. And it does involve um, a little more uh, in the setup and the discussion, but that's absolutely something that's available as well. Uh, particularly as you are hearing in this episode the importance of relationships in helping us uh, be who we are. So I look forward to hearing from you very soon. Thank you and back to Phil and the podcast. And really, having gone through all of that, I then, um, I was also, I'm, fair, I'm sort of successful in my career. And I had, before I had children, I had sort of prided myself on my career. And when I then had Eva, I really struggled with going back because I was suddenly like, actually, she's far more important uh -huh. um, than my career. But anyway, I went back to my career. And um, in this death meditation... The thing that that really stood out to me is what I wanted for Eva. All those things about, I, I can't remember the questions that you asked, but what would you want to say to Eva? What do you want Eva to believe in herself? Yes. How do you, you know, that all of that stuff I can still remember and feel, you know, ultimately that it is my job to... And Dan's job. Sorry, Dan, if you're listening. It's our job to um, instill in her to be the best that she can be and to be her absolutely unashamedly, unapologetically Eva Grace Morley, you know. And, um, and that is really the only thing for me. You know, it's like it's the only thing. Yeah. And it's a short time we have really to do that. You know, mm -hmm. in five years time, even she'll be like not wanting to spend time with mummy and daddy and all of the rest of it. And you have to hope that you've equipped them with the sense and independence and, you know, um, ability to make good judgments and to be real and to be kind and all of those things. Yeah. Um, do you know the other thing I remember about the death meditation? You asked a question about who, something about who. I don't know whether it's not it wasn't I don't think you used the word hate but who do you who do you who do you need to say 
So I re- so I remember that there was a question around unfinished communications to those that you love, those that you hate, basically anybody. Something about that. Yeah, that's it. So I I didn't <laughs> I obviously only fixated on the hate bit because <laughs> I didn't remember about the communications to people that you love. But oh, we I'd done some of that in the previous bit. But I remember getting in a bit of a panic in my little journey state that I was in because I couldn't think of anybody that I hated that mm. I wanted to kind of communicate with. Um, or communicate to and I I felt I feel quite proud of that in a weird way because it demonstrates to me what type of person that I am that I don't have anybody that I hate I think life really is too fucking short Mm -hmm. I mean there are people that drive me nuts and who I wouldn't want to go to the pub with but ultimately that kind of visceral feeling of like I really hate you um, just didn't really exist in my psyche um yeah, I'm feeling quite proud of that. I don't know. I mean, it would have been fine had I had somebody that I hated, of mm-hmm. course. But I don't know whether that, I don't know, that's probably to do with my religious upbringing, maybe. Mm. <laughs> would you say that you might have at some stage been somebody that you hate? Most definitely. Most yeah. definitely. Yes. And I have told myself that many times. Okay. Um you know, I think the way in which we talk to ourselves is so, so visceral, rude, unkind, graphic. It's a way that you just would not talk to any, to anybody else. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's interesting. I obviously didn't think about about that, that the only person I hated was me. Well, that's, that's sad. Mm. It felt that way at times working with you mm. that that you, that you did. You know when mm. you were focusing on all of those negatives about yourself, and it's yeah. interesting there that you you know as you tried to come up with someone that you hated, you just couldn't, mm. um, and it even escaped your attention mm. that you were you were that person. Yeah, it's almost like you're so busy seeing all of the positives in everybody else yeah. that it's somewhat an imbalance when considering how you view what is positive about you and still struggle with mm. that to this mm. day even after nine months of therapy mm. and lots of you mm. know really um mm. uh, really intense work on yourself mm. and i remember feeling quite sad when you would come to me after falling off the wagon mm. air quotes um yeah. with your food and exercise yeah. um uh trying to change how you were viewing yourself in relation to food and and exercise activity um and i'm wondering if there was something about that realization of how important you are to eva Mm. that you couldn't deny it and that you felt such a strong drive to recognize your importance in your life to demonstrate to her so that she would then realize that for herself Herself. you wanted to be the best role model that you could absolutely i mean there is no doubt in my mind that i want eva to grow up with the knowledge that she is important yeah other people are important too they absolutely are but that she fundamentally has everything she needs within within inside her and that she you know she in fact i wrote it down um when we were doing the death cleanse that that she should trust her instinct, you know, and know herself. I've mm-hmm. written those two things down. 
probably actually you just made me think there martin that i didn't i don't i didn't have those two things beliefs and it's actually still something that i struggle with now that i i am i don't know whether i trust my instincts actually i wish i think i do more than i did before but actually when it comes to myself and my kind of self-care and my ability to look after myself I still second guess Mm -hmm. the voice the the negative voice still comes first but I have learned more mechanisms now to kind of combat some of that it's interesting when you talk about that instinct I sometimes Mm. think instinct and intuition can be used interchangeably and if we break down the word intuition Mm. into two words in tuition that internal tuition Mm -hmm. and that is you're only able to connect to that if you don't shut off from it and I think Mm. a big part of well from the work that we've done and just kind of recalling Mm. some of that now Mm. a big part of what perhaps was lacking for you in your upbringing was that what you were receiving from your intuition was valid and helpful and a way in which you closed off from that intuition was through feeding your feelings with food Most rather literally. than attention. Yes. Rather than your attention. And yes. that's what you were, that was demonstrated to you. You know, that. Agreed completely. I mean, I, I think that, um, so I grew up in a, in a household, a very loving household, by the way. I've never doubted that I was loved. And my, you've never you said know, anything but that. No. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, um, and my parents are brilliant. They're flawed, as we all are, but they are mm. absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. But I grew up in a Christian household where my dad was a youth leader of a church and we lived in a manse. So we were very poor. You know, we didn't have mm-hmm. much money. Um, and my mum had a terrible upbringing, really some horrific things in her childhood. Um, and she has, you know, she had violence, she had um, basically seven kids in in a two-up, two-down house in Liverpool. They had lived mm-hmm. where the, in Toxteth, which is where the Liverpool riots took place. She was given away to a... when when another baby came along very quickly after my mum she was given away to a child's home for a year she was selected out of all her brothers and sisters the only one that got given to this home for a year and then she came back you know there are lots of things when I think about my mum's life that are just utterly terrifying um, and remarkable that she has chosen not to replicate those those things yes okay but I think that there were some times in my mum my found being a mum really quite hard. They were also very, very poor. And um, I think sometimes she felt that the fact that there was no violence from her was enough. Mm-hmm. Because she had violence in her house and she thought that being no, vi- you know, not being violent, they've never been violent, never any of that was was enough. I can't cannot explain that always but I I sometimes think that's what's happened and I think that um she also suffered from or suffers from depression anxiety 
she would never label that and she would never go to the doctors for that. It's just mm-hmm. not the done thing. She's 75. She's not about to start. You know, that I, she, I can't see that happening. Um, but I think because we were, grew up in a Christian household and my mum and dad, they're huge givers. They're massive givers, right? So mm-hmm. they give their time, their energy, their love, their care to people in the church community. Actually, they would give it to anybody. If anybody asked for help, they'd be there, you know. But um, I think massive, massive givers. And they were always busy doing things for other people. You know, people would turn up at our house sometimes mm-hmm. at midnight, young people, having had a row with their mum and dad. And I'd get carried out of my bed and put on the sofa so that somebody else could have my bed, you know. Yeah. Or, um, or you know, we can't do that now, darling, because we've got to go and do so-and-so you know we've got to go go to youth club or we've got to organize this picnic or we've got to whatever it is these other people's needs these are other... more important than yeah ours yeah yours. that's right so i always felt like other people were more important than me now my mum and dad if they ever listen to this and I, i'm confidently saying they won't because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not technically able <laughs> so that's probably a good thing um, um you know they it's a wonderful thing to give of yourself to others and to be in service to others it is a wonderful thing and it's part of what makes the human race so brilliant yes um and they would be utterly devastated to hear me say that because of that i felt like i wasn't important but the two things are not mutually exclusive i know they loved me mm-hmm. and i know that i was i know now that i was important to them and i am and continue to be important to them but that does not mean that I didn't feel like that. Yeah, it's, that it's, it's and both. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it is and. It's not but. It's mm-hmm. and. Um, and definitely those issues with food started quite young. <laughs> There's an issue, an incident to do with Twixes and a box of Twixes. Twixes. I had Kit Kat in my mind. Yeah. Twixes. Where I basically I ate a whole like big box of Twixes. Um, anyway um those issues with food and the the thing for me with food is that it really i really have i can see very clearly now i use it as a suit to soothe so if i eat this packet of crisps and this chocolate bar and the packet of johnny dodgers Mm -hmm. um i don't have to feel what i'm feeling yeah and it really is literally you are like eating your feelings Mm -hmm. or eating my feelings and i still i although i am much better now than i was i still do it you know there are still Mm. occasions where i'm like secret eating in the car where i'm like i've gone and bought crisps and a kit kat or a twix uh, and i you know will eat both of them but now i have much more understanding about what i'm doing yes um and why i'm doing it and I'm most of the time now I'm able to stop myself from doing it and go, well, what is it that I'm really feeling? I'm not hungry, but what, you know, what's going on for me? What's Um, this feeling trying to tell me? Exactly. What's it really about? That was a magic moment for you during our sessions. I remember you felt like you'd been given. It was like, it was like bingo. Yeah. It was (laughs) like bingo. The light switched on. Oh my God. I don't have to eat that kind of thing. Um, that yeah really genuinely I, I mean it's very obvious to me now but I hadn't realized that I was eating my feelings mm-hmm. that was what I was doing that it was my coping mechanism for whatever it was that I was feeling 
Um, and when I realised this, it really was like, you know, putting on a pair of glasses after you can't see because half of the journey that you go on when you start working on yourself and you have therapy is is to get to know yourself. Yes. And once you have seen what you do, you are much more able to take yourself kindly by the hand mm -hmm. and say, not say you stupid bitch, you know, how could you be so fucking stupid? You're never going to get get hold of this and say so what what's going on with you then what's what's this feeling actually about mm -hmm. you know which is what i would be saying to eva not necessarily about food but about anything so why have you behaved like that eva what's going on do you want to tell me about it should we talk about it you know yeah. those kinds of things not my god you stupid girl kind of thing yeah. um but so it is it is a profound thing to understand some of your own behavior um yeah it, yeah and it's just so oh is it reassuring i don't know if that's the right word validating to hear you say that you are now treating yourself like you treat the most precious thing to you yeah. in this world and the idea that if you could have well you are you are going back to get six-year-old you yeah. and giving her what unfortunately due to all kinds of circumstances your parents didn't give you in that moment mm. which is what's happening inside of you here that means that you want to go and eat that full box of mm. Twix mm. because you don't need them no. what do you need instead yes you know and and that I think mostly what people experience in in going through therapy certainly with me anyway is that there's a sense of going back and reparenting the parts of you that weren't able to be parented by those who had responsibility for that because of their own struggles and mm. it's not about saying that that means it's okay mm. which is essentially what the food was doing have this instead yeah, of what that's you really right. need that's exactly it you know yeah. it's it's and and yeah sometimes that is what you do because hey old habits die yeah. hard and it's not about never doing it again and then making yourself feel like a piece of yeah. shit because you did because actually that's just not helpful no. it's about saying what the choice okay you had the choice and you made that choice yeah and okay so what's going on kind of thing yeah i think um just listening to you there um the concept of reparenting i there's there's one thing that i must share actually that that um that i i i use to all of my my parent friends is that you told me once that um I think I'd made some offhand flippant comment about, you know, oh, bloody parents kind of thing. And okay. and you said to me, you can fuck them up for 40% of the time and they'll still be OK. <laughs> and, and, you know, because all of us parents, as I said right at the beginning or in the middle, uh, you know, we don't know what we're doing. My mum and dad didn't know what they were doing either. You know, it's yeah. fine. It's OK. Um, but you can do it. You can fuck them up 40% of the time and they'll be fine. And I tell everybody that. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting, isn't it? That, um, I, um, I will have said it that way with you yeah. and, and, and hearing it like that, yeah. you will have your response to that everybody. Um, but doesn't it sound so much different than you only have to get it right 60% of the time? You know, it sounds so different. You yes. can get it wrong. Yes. You can fuck it up 40% of the time yes. versus you have to get it right 60% yes. of the yes. time. And I, I can't give anybody the research that informs that 
statistic, um, but it was given to me on a parenting course that I went on when I was thinking about adopting a child. Yeah. And it just felt like such a relief. Total relief. Total relief. You know what? It's like you have permission because, you know, none of we're all basically trying to do the best we can Mm -hmm. with what we've got, with what you know with who we are with what we've got with our kind of conditioning with yes, our you know been shown. yeah and and yeah you know and so you're not going to get it right all of the time um and you know one of the other things that i just thought when you were talking then was um so my husband dan he's a wonderful man and actually we worked out that last week we've been together for 18 years which is really quite a, an wow. achievement um and he he comes from a very difficult upbringing. And I remember for quite a lot of the time I used to think with my family, I've got nothing to complain about, right? I had like the idyllic childhood in comparison to him. And by the way, I did. I had a wonderful childhood mm-hmm. in so many ways. Um, but what I realised as well from going through this therapy is that it's okay. Like, it's not a competition about who had it worse, you know. And yeah. it, this kind of thing that we tell ourselves, where we sort of go, "Well, other people have you know, killed children are starving in Africa," or you know, this this sort of other people have it much worse. Mm-hmm. That does not devalue or devalidate. Don't even know if that's a word. The thing that the trauma or the experience that you had. Yeah. And I think that just that knowledge alone for us. I mean, I was going to say normal people, but I'm definitely not normal. But, you know, I think that's what makes people interesting. Uh But I think for most people, the knowledge that it's not a competition. So what some person, what somebody might think on the outside wasn't proper trauma. Uh You know, I had a roof over my head. I had a loving family. I had, you know. I had um, a lot of fun. We had no money, but we had a lot of fun. I had a lot of people in my life that loved me. But that doesn't, you know, doesn't devalue the fact that actually I didn't always feel worthy. I felt like I came second, you know. And your intuition was telling you that your whole life, which was perceived as depression, anxiety, Mm. and Mm. it was ignored until the point that it was depression and anxiety and made you hate yourself Mm. at various points Mm. and you know at some stage I wonder what you know you would have needed to have gone to in terms of that hate in yourself and what that would have looked like in your life before you realized that it was always just that vulnerable little girl inside of you saying I just need something other than what I'm being given here and you know that there is um there isn't a competition with suffering. There's there's plenty of suffering to go around for everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually by acknowledging that, mm. we get to realise that there's also an infinite amount of love mm. around yeah. that can help us see what we need to do in terms of our own process. And, yeah. you know, that I just love the idea that, uh, you know, some of the darkest moments in your life, mm. you knew 
somewhere inside of you mm. it was louder than all of that feeding the feelings down of all of that ignoring yourself of all of that being horrible thinking negative things hurting mm. yourself you still got to that yoga class and mm. realized that you were important mm. in that yoga class because you gave yourself a little bit of love and mm. you know therefore it all grew and you mm. came to see me and mm. then you know we worked a lot on yeah. you trying to realize your importance to yourself yes. via those who were around you yeah. because it was undeniable uh, you know thankfully you had enough love to be able to appreciate when you were receiving love from others yeah and I think what's happened in the last couple of years is that you've been able to start the process of realizing the importance of loving yourself and what that looks like for yeah. you and I'm I'm wondering where you are now as where you know a few months out of you um, pause in your therapy yeah. which may become a stop and yeah. and what things that you practice now and, and how life is for you now yeah so I at the end of my therapy or the pausing of my therapy actually happened quite quickly in the end didn't it yeah. um and I um so I'm I'm good is actually you know I am I have far more good days than I do bad days mm. um and I am far kinder to myself than I have ever been before and I think that don't get me wrong the, the the nasty voices haven't gone but in the same way that you train yourself to listen to those or I don't know whether you, you don't deliberately train yourself to listen to the nasty voices but the nasty voices become a habit mm -hmm. you have to, I found an ability to be able to to actually you know go come on come on that's sort of how I do it in my head mm -hmm. when these nasty thoughts I'm like oh, come on don't be so bloody ridiculous uh -huh. and then I will try to either do something deliberate like take some literal action like go into another room or you know go and do something that I needed interrupt to do yeah interrupt voice. it yeah. Yeah, yeah um or I try to sort of just go well what is this and sort of feel it yeah. I don't know whether you remember but I had some difficulty there was a number of times in our sessions where you'd say you just need to you need not just need to but you need to sit with your feelings oh, and yeah. I was like god how the fuck do I do that I don't know what that means and I kept yeah. saying to you but how do I do that yeah. you know um and I can't articulate what I do now but I feel like I have got that now where I, okay. I can sit with my feelings and, and experience them and this the idea that my feelings don't have to rule me. I can look at them like clouds going by and go, oh, yes. look at that, I'm angry. Or, oh, will you look at that, I'm upset. Like the hippie yogi tells you to do in your <laughs> yeah, sessions. <exactly. laughs> the feelings are just like clouds moving past. Welcome them with a smile and let them move on past. <laughs> Martin's really mean when you're like in the worst possible like contorted position. He goes, oh, don't forget to smile. <laughs> Breathe and smile. <laughs> Life is meant to be less hard than this. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I, I kind of, this, I, I have this much, much kinder, an ability to really understand. I used to really genuinely think that my feelings were real. I think therapy okay. has really taught me that my feelings are not real. Yes. So they're real as in you experience them, but they are not real as in they do not have to dictate your action yeah you know um and that you can also change your or influence your feelings yeah. according to what you do think say be you know um 
and so I think that's that's another massive takeaway. But I I feel like I don't know whether we're paused or cancelled. I don't feel fixed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Air quotes there, but I I feel in a much better place. I feel like I know myself much better. Yeah. I feel like um, some of the practical stuff that I do now. So <laughs> we started a chart in our household. Martin knows this. Oh, yeah. um, and I can't believe that a chart really helped me. Like, you know, those <laughs> little like when you're a kid, you used to get those um, like reward charts. Well, that's sort of what we've got in our household now, because I was finding that trying to juggle everything it was all on me what was I going to make for tea that night who was going to pick up Eva had she got her swim stuff that day you know I needed to get to a nine o'clock meeting had her prepared the invisible checklist for life was yours it was completely mine Mm -hmm. and and Martin I think actually it was you that suggested have you thought of a chart and I sort of thought I don't know about that but um I got myself a lovely chart and now each week we plot out who's picking Eva up, who's going to make tea, who's going to go to Sainsbury's, who's going to sort out her stuff for swimming, you know, who's going to do what. And what it means is that I have much more space in my head. Uh-huh. Like yeah. literally. Yeah. So revolutionary, Dan now does half the cooking because I was like, I was, I'm always doing the cooking after I'd spoken to Dan and he's brilliant. And he was like, OK, I'll do it. Well, that, that was a journey, wasn't it? it was. I remember that yeah. was one of the falling off the wagons yeah, that you talked was. about yeah. with this particular yeah. process. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about how it can be really difficult to shine a light on somebody else not showing up yeah. when they aren't aware of it at all. And, yeah. and I remember it was kind of like That's going right. through that, wasn't I, it? I would think that lots of people listening, will ha- they understand the kind of the bicker that goes on, you know, between couples where, like in, in fact, we heard it on po- yeah, in podcast two. too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, really, you know where where you're kind of like you know Dan I'm, Dan's like I'm doing all the work and uh, you know I'm doing I'm doing all the cleaning or whatever it is you know you argue about cleaning and money and cooking and all of those things but actually um, what I felt that Dan had failed to realize is that I cooked every single night so we've been together for 18 years that's a hell of a lot of cooking Ooh. right and Dan would go yeah, but I do do it sometimes. I'm like, yeah, twice a month. You know, it's like you really can't compare it. And I remember you saying, have you told Dan this? And I was like, I don't actually, other than arguing or bickering about it and sort of huffing and puffing and like, oh, I've got to make dinner again. <laughs> and these hints that we dropped to people. I had never actually thought to say to him, Daniel, I do the cooking every single night and I cannot continue to do it. I would really like you to contribute how can we agree a way forward and so I did this with Dan and he was like yeah 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 that's fine that's fine no problem at all um and then and then the second work fine the first week and then the second week he was like oh you know I'm gonna be home late from work and I was like right I thought right I've got to be I've got to be strong there's because there's a moment isn't there when you make these decisions where you have to decide to stick by them yes and I'm like, right, so what's for tea? And he said, oh, I haven't got anything. Can you just do some beans on toast or whatever? And I was like, no. He said, oh, oh, oh uh, uh, but, you know, I'm going to be late home. And I'm like, I know, and it's your bedtime too. We take that in turns. Um, and, and so we went without tea that night, <laughs> just as a kind of point. I mean, he made himself some beans on toast, ironically, when he got home. Uh-huh. Um, but, but, you know, there was a moment. But actually, after that moment... If, like, for whatever reason he can't do tea now, he will tell me beforehand and we'll swap. 
So it's not a case of me just taking it on, we'll swap. Or he'll be like, I'm going to be late home, but I'm going to pick up this from Sainsbury's and we'll just put it in the oven or whatever. Um, So he knows that on those days that we delegate, it is his responsibility. If he forgets to take something out of the freezer, it's his problem to fix, Mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And actually that has freed up huge amounts of time and energy and space in my head. You know, yeah. and and this kind of, you know, who's going to pick up Eva, who's going to drop off Eva, you know, all of that no longer resides in my head. Yeah. It resides on the chart. And um, yeah, I'd recommend it to anybody. Sounds really trivial and almost uh, sort of childlike, um, but actually so helpful. Yeah. So, so helpful. It's a visual thing. And that, that's the other thing that Dan used to do is he always used to say to me, so I've got it all in my head. So it'd be like, so am I picking or dropping tomorrow? You know, and then in the morning, you'd be like, oh, just remind me again. Am I picking up? And you're like, for fuck's sake. Oh, my God. Oh my just God. something just, else. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And now I just say to him, it's on the chart, very smugly. <laughs> <laughs> and not in my head. <laughs> What's going on with this feeling? Yeah. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. But it does. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. creating that yeah. space for yeah. you. Yeah. Because you're important yeah. in all of these little ways. And I don't think there has been, um, you know, just as we, we draw to a close, I, I don't think there's been any particularly, you know, one, two, three, and you're fixed oh, God, no. with you. It's yeah. been about making lots of small adjustments here, there, yeah. and, and, and using the love that you've got around you to remind you that you are important when you forget that. Yeah. Because you do, and you oh, yeah. will, and we all do. Yeah. But that got to the extreme, and it took facing your death yeah you know metaphorically and yeah. and, and and obviously facing other people facing their death yeah. literally yeah. for you to be able to suddenly Realize. come to terms with the fact yeah. that actually you are important yeah. and you know that that wonderful voice that's inside yeah. of you telling you at your first yoga session that you'd ever been yeah, to I, I think yeah. the angels are yeah. looking down yeah, upon yeah. you <laughs> they're like you're gonna properly. fucking listen yeah Phil. really properly yeah. properly serendipitous those yeah. things you don't get them very often in life but when they do happen you know it's they trigger a chain of events yeah you asked me uh, about some other things that sort of what how i am now and what the kind of future holds and one of the other really nice things that's come out of our sessions is so Dan and I communicate much better than we've ever communicated before. Mm. But he has also started going to therapy, which is something that I never thought in a million years that he would ever, ever do. I've always known that he has baggage because mm-hmm. he's had some yes. difficult times. But um, and he's finding it difficult. He finds it difficult, but he has embraced it wholeheartedly and and that as well has meant he is being more honest with me about mm. stuff memories that we have or that he's had in his childhood or things that he finds difficult with Eva and you know and that come from his childhood yeah. you know yeah. and and yeah I think that's a huge kind of blessing as well to our relationship that actually we have both we've we've both learnt to perhaps be more honest with ourselves Yes. And so more honest with each other. I mean, not that we were deliberately lying to each other, of course, but 18 years together, you get in, used to you can't quite get quite ingrained patterns of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it has really changed us mm-hmm. um, and for the better, you know, and we talked to Eva about the fact therapy. We don't 
We don't call it that, actually. Well, I don't know. We, what we call it? A counselling, I think we've called okay, it. Okay, yeah. You know. Yeah, and yeah. actually, when Eva asked me where I was going today, I said, oh, I'm going to see my friend Martin. Um, and and she said to me, where did you, have I met Martin? She said, I said, said no, you haven't. I He was my counsellor and now I do yoga. Mm-hmm. And and she was, except she knew what counselling was. You know, there was no kind How of... How wonderful. You know, and I think that that's a, a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. I used to think, much like the judgment that used to exist around depression and anxiety, the judgment of the concept of going to counselling must mean that you're really broken. And actually, mm-hmm. I just think it should be on prescription. You know, it should be it should be prescribed to everybody at some point in their lives to go and talk about themselves to somebody they trust for an hour a week. You know, it's kind of liberating. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, it frees you of all of the things that you're struggling with that say that it's not OK to feel important enough to talk about that's right. yourself. And all the things you week. carry around with yeah. you metaphorically. You know, you're carrying such everybody. We all do. We carry such baggage. And yet the ability to to articulate that to somebody else and, and for them to go, fuck, yeah, no wonder you're finding it difficult. Yes. I remember there was a moment where you went, fuck, yeah, no wonder to me. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Thanks. I well, I'm allowed really to feel that. shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, I feel better now. <laughs> we have where we mustn't feel bad or there must be something wrong with us because we're not happy all the time you know anyway i mean we could talk about it for hours but i'm i'm hugely hugely changed um and i don't think it's the end of my journey by any means but i feel very differently about myself and about things than i did in fact it was kind of this time last year i think yeah um and it's not a magic pill and it's not one two three and it's not instant and you know yeah i do still eat more than i should mm-hmm. you know but i'm consistently going to yoga mostly um and i move my body more i make better decisions about food and i'm not controlled by it yeah i'm not consumed by this thing whereas i have to have a packet of this you know i understand now when that happens that it's not about the food um and that there are other things that i can do that that you know, can eat a packet of walnuts instead. Uh-huh. Yeah. If if I you know, if that's what I want to do, then that's yeah. what I can do and they yeah. will nourish me far better than than the other things. Um so yeah, that's that's where I'm at now. Well thank you so much for, for sharing all of that. Thanks for having um, me on. Oh, it's 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 been a pleasure and um I really love that we can continue to be connected. Um, and that we built a strong enough relationship to be able to evolve it, you know, beyond the the safe space of the counselling room. Yeah, and it's a testament too. to to the, to the hard work that we put into that. And yeah. I'm, I'm proud of us for that. Um, and I think it's really poignant to note that what precipitated you realising that you wanted to help yourself live in the face mm. of somebody else's death, you know, as she moves closer towards mm. that beyond all probable expectations that you would have had this time last year, you can be in a good place within yourself, even though her journey has continued and and will do. Mm. And actually, you know, I hope that you can be really proud of yourself that you have turned the shit that that is into fertilizer for yourself. 
and uh, you know it's 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 a testament to to the love that you've been given mm -hmm. in your life that you are now able to give to yourself that that you can be going through something as awful as losing a part of you really mm. um and that there's enough there inside of you to, yeah. to to feel like your life is absolutely worth living even mm. though a part of you is is dying you yes know? and um we only need a little bit of what's right for us to be able to survive some extraordinary difficult circumstances mm. in our lives and i will never stop going on about the fact that we have that strength inside and yeah. we must tune into it and respond to these voices inside of us which show up as depression anxiety strange thoughts feelings etc anything that comes from you is only for you yeah and if you're struggling to do that on your own then go and get some support from somebody keep listening to this podcast you don't have to pay for therapy it's yeah. it is unfortunately because of the way that this country is something that's reserved for those that can afford it mm -hmm. but there are all kinds of resources we just need to know that we are important and yeah. that somebody cares enough to listen to what we've got to say and there are all manner of ways that that can be done and if anybody is in any doubt about what that might look like for them please get in touch because it makes all the difference as i think phil is a testament to yeah absolutely i mean i, I think um it is revolutionary i can't believe that i got to 44 you know um without knowing that talking to somebody you trust and who you know is is trained i'm not obviously i've been able to talk to people i've trusted before but actually who's trained to support you and help you recognize the thing i was so surprised about is about it is that um and maybe i shouldn't have been but when when we're having our sessions together um you are never you never ever tell me what to do. I think it's a misconception perhaps mm -hmm. that a counsellor is going to fix you, you know, yeah. or a therapist is going to fix you. And so they'll tell you what to do to fix you. Mm -hmm. But actually, you know, having somebody that can just, you had this ability to kind of play me back to me, mm -hmm. but in a way that was kind of like, yeah, what? Hang on. Thought provoking yeah. enough, yeah. thought provoking enough to kind of break down some of those difficulties, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I, we haven't really touched on my work, but I'm just going to say this very quickly. So I work in HR, so I work with people. I hate the terminology HR because whoever talks about people as a human resource, you know, it's like, oh, it's yes. awful. Yeah. Um, and HR, I think gets a really bad rap, but one of the things that I have really found in my role um, as head of HR is that, if somebody who is perceived to be successful or in a position of power or, mm -hmm. you know, um, influence stands up and says, I feel like this sometimes, you know, I suffer with anxiety yes. and depression or I, I struggle with that or we could do that. But how's that person going to feel yes. doing that, yes. you know, or what other impact might it have? And people can look and they go, well, if she, if she deals with it you know and she talks about yes. it then and, and what i find is people come and talk to me they come and naturally they will talk to me okay. they'll talk to me about how they feel i mean i'm sure you get this obviously in your role too but they 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 talk to me about how they feel or what they think or you know or i'm thinking about going to therapy what do you think you know mm -hmm. these kinds of yeah. conversations and yeah. i think that that's a real blessing that people will share that with me but also that 
I can literally say, in fact, I had this conversation the other day. Somebody said, well, I've been prescribed some medication, but I've also been told I could get some therapy. Right. And she said, and I said, well, I have had both. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, what do you think? I said, well, I'm not making any decisions for you, you know, here. But I, therapy was revolutionary for me. I, I, but I still am taking my tablets. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't mm-hmm. come off my medication but it was revel- it was revolutionary. And actually, I was also in the wonderful position to be able to say, and we will pay for you to have some therapy to support you in that process. And I think um, you only have to ask for help. There are a lot of people out there who are happy to give their time and money and point you in the right direction and show you yeah. how you can better take care of yourself, you know, and your mental health. Yeah. Um, and I would say, do it. Make the phone call send the email and yeah it's a bit scary and a bit intimidating but what you get out of it is is remarkable just like tipping out of the front of that hammock and trusting that you're going to be held by it it's, it's exactly like <laughs> yeah. that it's a great metaphor yeah. exactly like yeah. that yeah oh i love it the look on people's faces when they're <laughs> like you're asking me to do this and i'm like yeah and you're gonna love it <laughs> <laughs> they're like fuck off yeah <laughs> so good right so i have never done this with you before um we obviously have engaged in all kinds of practices that i have shared with you uh some of which we haven't mentioned today but you i will thank you for your openness with some of the things Mm. that that we have done but what we're going to do now as i do at the end of each of the sessions with the guests is an oracle card reading once again using the wonderful sophie bashford uh gods goddess uh, goddesses gods and guardians i should get that in the right order as we need to rebalance the feminine energy in our world <laughs> we'll go with the goddess first and so i'm just going to fan these cards out for you here phil to choose from and so as i do i'd like you to think of a question an open question that you have about your life that you'd like to receive some guidance on from uh from the cards and all they do is basically direct you towards perhaps a different way of thinking about said question um so if you keep it an open question then you're more likely to receive more helpful guidance so a kind of a why what where when how type of question and if nothing's coming to you you can just say i I, uh, receive your guidance with an open heart and mind And then to choose your card, just run your hand over the card deck here and let your intuition guide you as to which one you need. And uh, you'll know which one it is. Okay, there we go. So who have you pulled there? You can have a little look at that as you sit down. Aphrodite. Oh my goodness me. Well, isn't that interesting that I was talking to you about going to Cyprus with Greece? And I think she was uh, said to have originated from uh, Cyprus. Cyprus, you're right. Yes. Um, We talked about that as we were doing the preparation. So in terms of your question, if you had one, um, and if you didn't, just what, what is the card speaking to you in terms of what you see, what you feel, what you can read there? So um, she is a beautiful, curvaceous woman. Oh, not Um, unlike the one sat in front of me right now. (laughs) Take it. (laughs) Thanks, I will. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's the thing that strikes me. Holding fruit. 
Okay, fruit. Um, and what looks like, oh, it's a mirror. I was thinking it looked like a saucepan. I was thinking it looked like a saucepan. It's a bit random. It's like, Dan, you are going to do the cooking. Yeah. <laughs> so a mirror, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, shall I talk you through the, uh, yes, uh, the, 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 the additional guidance yeah. uh, in the book? So Aphrodite, eternal love. Romance is flowing. Celebrate your beauty. Aphrodite is the goddess of love, beauty and sensuality. Classic Greek mythology says she was born from the sea, from the sea foam around Paphos in Cyprus. Exuding feminine energy, Aphrodite evokes the creative and heart-renewing powers of the water. This is relevant oh, to you. Oh, it is. Yeah. So I love water in any open water swim, any bit of sea, any bit of river, anything at all, and I'll get in. Mm. <laughs> I just like to be in or on or near water. So, so your nature being quite watery, that yeah. also links, I mean, we'll probably come on to this, so I yeah. should just shut up, but um, <laughs> it's um, very much about uh, going with the flow and yeah. um, emotions are very watery. You know, they mm. change yes. and they flow through. And yeah. so your resistance of your nature is has caused you suffering. Yes. And as you lean into that you find mm -hmm. ease yeah okay um, so exuding oh i've just said that uh, she would she was a divine queen in lemuria and reigned over all matters of love romance and relationships mm -hmm. her temple contained a huge rose quartz crystal aphrodite heals our defenses against accepting love her mirror reveals our true beauty. Ah. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and her pomegranate invites us to revel in sensuality. Oh. Aphrodite asks us to treat romantic love with respect, for it's a sacred practice. Our partners are divine teachers, bringing opportunities to learn everything about our own hearts. Really interesting. So Dan and I recently have... have had this kind of moment where we're like we actually need to work a bit on our relationship mm -hmm. not not because we're in any way in turmoil um, i'm just thinking of amram and his his you know his if you have to try then you know it's too too um it's too hard well when we're, we're, unfortunately not everybody isn't a work in progress like amram so you know <laughs> um I and, and actually we have sort of had this kind of thing where we just need to put a bit more effort, a bit more effort into being to get, you know, being together, okay. being around each other, being, you know, doing things together, etc. That has been something that in the last couple of months, particularly, we have kind of felt that is the right time you know, life passes you by, doesn't it? And there's so many things and jobs and lists and all of the rest of it. But ultimately, I've chosen Dan to be with mm -hmm. and he's chosen me. And mm -hmm. actually, you know, after 18 years, we just need a bit of a thing where we look at each other and go, we still want to be here, you yeah. know. And it takes work. It's yeah. a sacred practice. Yes, so, it is. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that's quite yeah, reassuring. Yeah, so that's interesting. Then. Yes. There's, there's some more. Oh, okay. So Aphrodite rises from the sea to bring pure feminine blessings and lessons, her radiance showering upon you like a rose crystal waterfall. 
she takes you into her temple, attuning your energy to her rose quartz crystal. Laying pink roses at your feet, her priestesses anoint your body with rose oil, and Aphrodite says, Beloved, see yourself as I see you, as an everlasting expression of the divine. Heal those old wounds of not beautiful and not lovable. Look into my mirror and see your true essence. Oh, that's made me feel quite goosebumpy. Yeah. Wow. She's widows. Your relationship echoes, your relationships echo your relationship with yourself and the goddess. This is so true. As you practice loving yourself, so you'll see this rebirth of self-love reflected back to you by your partner, friends, family and the entire world. Renew your trust as love never truly leaves. Your heart has a different healing pattern from your mind. So if you're in a process of heartbreak, listen to what your heart is saying. Create a fresh template of love with a vibration that honours you. My spirit is breathing excitement and passion into your heart. A new cycle of love awaits you. So some additional meanings. Mm -hmm. A new relationship is trustworthy, so open your heart to it. Amplify the romance in your life with simple gestures like buying buying flowers for yourself or a surprise for a loved one. And book a pampering treatment to reflect your inner beauty and self-worth. I'll definitely do that. <laughs> there you go. Well, she's told you. And so to take with you, she says that you, um, to say these words to yourself, mm. I cherish myself and create beautiful relationships. Lovely. I shall say that to myself on the way home in the car. <laughs> I'll send you this. Yeah, thank you. Do. Wow. Well, I actually think that's really relevant to where you've come from. And what maybe Aphrodite has been trying to speak to you all the time mm. through your heart and mm. those emotions that you feel. And, and now you're finally listening. You're being rewarded yes. and will continue to be. So that feels like a really Thank nice yeah, way lovely. for us to close the session. The session. The session. Because <laughs> it's a session. Um, I'm realising as I look at the time here that these podcasts are going to fall into the long form category. Um, Clearly, uh, my friends that (laughs) I'm bringing in to help (laughs) heal you all and heal each other through healing ourselves. um, There's a lot to say and I'm not going to apologise for that because it's all valuable stuff and uh, deserves the time taken that uh, our wonderful listeners are investing in. Um, a form of, of self-care for them themselves yeah. actually um, my intention was that these podcasts would be like therapy yes. in themselves and um, it's like sharing a little piece of you absolutely. around which is lovely yeah. yeah and 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 you as well yeah. and um so how was that for you yeah great really yeah. good i feel like yeah wonderful i feel yeah. like we should be opening a bottle of wine now though <laughs> well it's interesting because the last couple of guest podcasts yeah. have been on an evening where uh, there's been wine yeah, so we yeah. just have to maybe use kind of day wine yeah. to do that with we'll get the pink or the the white route for the day sessions <laughs> lovely <laughs> maybe for the next one yes. maybe for round two yeah okay um but listen thank you so much for for oh, everything that you've brought not just to this thank podcast you. but you know for making me be able to do the job that i love and and and, and you know to to live out my purpose and and see the the fruits 
of that um, so beautifully. Well, thousand blessings right. on you too, Martin. You're brilliant. So thank, thank you. you. I'll take that. Yeah, do. Right. Do. Polish your badge. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Phil. Okay, thank you. Bye. Well, we covered quite a lot there. Issues with food, anxiety, depression, intergenerational connections being so fundamental in us developing a sense of who we are and our acceptance and, and therefore love of ourselves. The use of yoga and therapy to help create transformation in, in how we can view ourselves and how we can use death, the ultimate darkness, to inspire living, really living, that there can be lightness and darkness coexisting, very much uh, and both, to help us deal with the inconsistencies of life. So I hope you enjoyed episode five with Phil as much as I enjoyed recording it. We'll be back again next week with round two of me and Amram. So I'm sure there'll be lots of laughs and bickering on that particular episode. And uh, in that episode, we're going to be talking about Amram's movement into this work with me going to talk about yoga, energy work, theology, religion. I'm so excited to share that with you. And I will see you, I'll see you, I will speak to you next week. And in the meantime, as always, get strong and stay open, kind and grateful. Lots of love to you all. Take care until next time. Bye.